the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. weapon to do warfare with because it'll just puff us up and so now we want to love other people so let me give you two words to focus on it says this I pray that your love may first word is increase and the second word is the word abound so you want the love that you have for Christ to increase within you and to abound outward look at the two phrases that focus on where our love is to grow he says I pray that you will have love for one another I like to look at it people one at a time, maybe people that you know, one another. And then it says, and then for everyone else. So our pursuit ought to be for other people. Now for a moment, think with me. When I begin to pray, how often are my prayers about myself, my health, my job, my career, my finances, my family and my problems there. And so it happens to be a lot about us. Maybe now we can shift a little bit and our love will increase and abound toward one another and everyone. And as we get our eyes off ourselves onto others, I wonder what that'll do for our own inner relationship with the Lord. How important it is for us to do that. Maybe I can show you an illustration I've used years ago. I don't know if you can see this, especially you young people. Can you see what I'm holding up? What am I holding up? Okay, it's a can of soda. It's a Pepsi here. And I'm not trying to promote Pepsi or even soda for those of you that are our health people in here. But it's for an illustration, if you will, for a moment. Inside this can, if I believe the label, is going to be Pepsi. Now, it's not just liquid water here. This is carbonated water, so it's full. Now, if I take this can and I do that with it, pretty soon I don't even hear the liquid sloshing around. Why is that? Because it's so full of pressure right now. So this can here is full. It's increased to the top, and now it's abounding. It's just looking for me to just pop the top. All right, now I'm not going to do that, uh, or I won't be asked back next week. But here's my point. If I pop this top, by the way, here, if you'd like, you can give that to your kids later. All right. <laughs> but if I did that, what happens? When it's increased and abounding and we release the top of the can, it explodes all around other people. Well, here's my point. Because we've trusted Christ as Savior and we're a partaker of His divine nature and the love of God is within us and we allow it to increase within us, shouldn't it then abound to one another, to those that are around us? And that's the kind of prayer we want to pray. First of all, that we would love others and then we would pray for them. Now stay with me for a moment. When we do pray, we pray for our circumstances first of ourselves and a little bit for ourselves and our own personal needs, not just circumstances. When we pray for others, we often pray for their circumstances, that they would get a job, that they would get their health, that things would go right for them. None of that is wrong, folks. 
But what I'd like to do is to take us as a family to another level, a little bit higher. And we ought to pray for them as a person. Now watch. We want to pray for their character. So we pray for our character first. Lord, help us to have the character of Christ, of honesty, decency, and integrity. Help us to deal with anger in our life, agitation in our life, bitterness, greed, maybe some moral impurity we're struggling with. And so we're praying for ourselves. But then we flip it to others. And we want to have a prayer that they too would have a character change. And the character change comes from a heart change. And we really love them. So now our prayer is based on a relational situation and not just get them a job so they can go on with life. I think about that as I pray for other people because sometimes we're so quick to pray that all their problems are resolved and we think, are you with me? That all their problems would be resolved and that would give them peace. Well, there's a certain degree of calmness when you're not agitated with problems all the time. But God says that we should have peace in the midst of our challenges and problems. So here's your exercise. It's a little practical. This might work for you. You could write down the phrase, Lord, increase my love for, and then fill in the blank. Right now, who in your world are you finding it a little bit more difficult to increase and abound in your love toward that person? Who is that person? Now, you might be seated so close to them, you don't want to write their name down, so leave it blank. So when the person looks at you, they'll know, that must be mean, because they left it blank. And some of us might need to put more than one blank. Is that not true? But let's ask God to do that. And I'm going to tell you that those are the kind of prayers. Those are the exact kind of prayers that God wants to answer for us. So we want to pray that. So pray that our obstacles will be removed. Pray that our love, God's love in us, would increase. But number three, we want to pray for believers to grow. Now this is when one believer prays for another believer in Christ. Not someone to come to know Christ, but a believer in Christ. Look at verse 12 in the first part of verse 13. It says, And may the Lord make you abound, increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. And I like that because it's like, I'm doing it too. So that he, the Lord, may strengthen and establish your, the believer's, hearts. So God wants the hearts of believers to be stronger in all of this. A famous theologian of our day says, answer the question, what is prayer? It's a means of forming a character fit to reign with God. And as I was studying the life of Paul and his passion for the lives of others to be changed, I came across a verse that's found in Galatians. Paul wrote a letter to another church that he loved so dearly in Galatia. And here's what he said. My little children, for whom I labor with pain like childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now I chuckle at that because... What did Paul know about childbirth? He's a man. But I had to go back in those days. They didn't have all those kind of pain-deadening medicines available that we have today. And as these Hebrew ladies and perhaps others would give birth, there would be screams that they would hear in various homes and midwives and all of that going around him. And so he heard a lot about that and he knew there was a lot of pain and labor. And then, of course, the joy of the child. And he says, just like that, I have the same kind of pain. Now watch this, watch this. Not so that the Galatian person or church people would get a job or they'd have good health. He prayed that Christ would be formed in them. So my question to you, as much as we do want the circumstances better for the people around us, but do you want Christ to be formed in your son, in your daughter, in your husband, in your wife, in your pastors? And that's what he really did. So our exercise is simply... A prayer like he did 
now to the church of Ephesus. Would you allow me this moment? I would like to share with you the prayer that I pray for you. Not every day, but quite frequently. I've taken it from Ephesians chapter 1, and you look at that in your own time. But here's how I wrote this prayer. It's my heartfelt prayer for every single one of you in here. It goes like this. Lord, I give thanks for those who are here today, every one of them individually, for the heart of faith and the desire to grow that you've given to them. I ask you, God, who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you, Lord, would give each person here the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they might know you better. I pray for each person here to have the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened so that we might understand the hope that you called us to, the riches of the inheritance that you have waiting for us, and the incomparable great power that you have for us to believe and to trust and to depend upon. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Yes, I do pray that some of you get a job. I do pray that you do well on your job. I do pray every time I hear that some of you are suffering with some form of affliction, whether it's physical or financial or whatever. But I want you to know that I don't pray as much for those things as I pray that Christ would be formed in you. And I pray that you'll pray that for me. Here's number four, praying specifically. You want to pray for God's greatest will in another person's life. It goes on to say, may the Lord establish your hearts blameless in holiness. And so that's what you want to pray is that they would have a blameless and a holy life. Solzhenitsyn wrote a book called A Day in the Life of Ivan Denasevich. And Ivan in this book endured the horrors of Soviet prison camp. And one day he was praying with his eyes closed and another prisoner came up to him and said in a scornful way, prayers aren't going to help you get out of this prison any faster. And Ivan responded this way, I don't get prayers. I, I don't pray to get out of prison, but I pray to do the will of God 100%. For just a moment, picture with me an empty worship center now and you the only person seated in here all by yourself. Quietly, you're not banished here, but you just happen to be in this room all by yourself. No cars in the parking lot, no one else milling around. But a stranger comes in the back door, and that stranger is Jesus Christ. And that stranger comes alongside you, sees you seated by yourself, and as Jesus would certainly do, he wouldn't leave you there all alone. He would sit right next to you and picture him asking you this question. What do you want me to do for you most? I want you to picture that. Jesus now asking you, what do you want me to do for you most? Now, don't look at me with such a funny face because if you look at Scripture, you're going to find that Jesus often asked that question to the blind guys outside of Jericho. What do you want me to do for you? And I want you to know that it's not because the Lord is ignorant of what your request would be, but He wants you to know that He wants to do more for you than you and I think He wants to do for us. So what do you want Him to do for you? Years ago when I had a discipleship group with a group of guys, we would begin each year by answering this question. What are you praying for from the Lord that you want God to do most for you this year? Well, one year we were going around, took a week to think through what do we want God to do most for us and what we would say here, stayed here when we left here with the guys. Came around to one guy and he said, the thing I want him to do most for me this year is I want a car. I need a better car. 
And we celebrated a little bit with him, but I have to tell you from my heart, I don't really believe that's what he really wanted the most. It's probably what he felt the safest to share. If it is what he really wanted the most, there was a whole lot more that he probably should have been asking the Lord about. So remember, when I go to the Lord, it's not so much to inform him of my needs, but it's me going to the Lord, letting him know that I depend upon him to meet my needs. So your question might be, what do you want God to do most? Here's the second one. What do you think God wants to do the most in your life? You see, what this is going to do is to take your prayer life to another level. It's going to take it higher. So here's your question. What do you think God wants to do, kids, with you in your school before the end of this year? What do you want God to do with you, fellow workers, on your job more than anything this year? What do you want God to do more than anything in your marriage, in your family? And I'd like to say this because this is our world. What do we want God to do here at International more than ever before in this church with us this year? I'd like to know what that would be for the Lord. And I think the answer would be, number one, He wants us to be pure and holy and blameless. Here's your exercise. On a three-by-five card, maybe write this down. And when you go to the Lord, here's what you're going to say. Am I asking for God's best in my life? Am I asking for God's best in my life? While you're writing this down, I'd like to read to you a quote by Haddon Robinson. He was at a Denver seminary and now he's at Gordon-Conwell. Tremendous preacher, teaches on preaching and pastoring and speaking. And here's what he wrote about prayer. It is so profound, folks, I would like you to lean into this. Listen carefully. It is huge. In the life of Jesus, prayer was the work and the ministry was the prize. For me, prayer serves as the preparation for battle. But for Jesus, it was the battle itself. Having prayed, he then went about his ministry as an honor student might go to receive a reward or as a marathon runner, having run the race, might accept the gold medal. We call that 100% praying. Some of us, we do a little bit of prayer and then we go to battle, we do all the work. I wonder what it would be like if we could so discipline ourselves that we would do our prayer and saturate our energy in that. And I wonder how much of our prayer or our work would not seem so much like work. Here's number five. Pray to remove our obstacles and pray to increase our love and pray for believers to grow and pray for God's greatest will in our life. Now we want to pray with the ultimate end in mind. So in other words, what I'm praying is not just for the temporal right here, but it's something for the future. And it goes like this. May the Lord establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Most of the time we pray about what's going to happen this week, what's going to happen maybe next month. Some of you are just praying to get through today. But I'd like to encourage you to set your sights a lot higher than that. Set it so high that it stretches into all of eternity. What do you want God to do in your life to be an influence that will last as a legacy forever? So here's our goal, simple goal, and that is to be like Jesus Christ. If I want to do anything, it may not be to plant a great church, big church, but if anything, I want Christ to be formed in me and then let God take care of the results. That's why we say if we grow deeper in the Lord, we will go wider for the Lord. 
Andrew Murray wrote this. He said, May not a single moment of my life be spent outside the light, love, and joy of God's presence. And not a moment without the entire surrender of myself as a vessel for him to fill to the fullness of his spirit and his love. I have to tell you, when I pray the prayer of that the fullness of God would be in your life and you'd have power in all of this, it can get a little discouraging. Do you know why? Because sometimes I can't see that all happening. It's hard for me to qualify it. I can't really see it. Some of that stuff is going to take years to develop in your life. And it's not because you're a slow grower, nor I'm a slow grower, but those kind of prayers take a lifetime to develop. And often we quit. We'll pray for the things that we can get right now. We're at the mall. It's Christmas. Look at all the cars everywhere. I need a parking place. We say, Lord, get us a parking place. The few of us that actually do that. Lord, get us a parking place. But we know that if we drive around long enough, eventually we'll find one. Okay, God, you've got us one. And we let those little things encourage us. And that's not too bad, but that's like a baby prayer person. But a mature person is praying for those things, but a whole lot more. But don't get discouraged because sometimes it will not happen until it reaches into eternity. So here's what you're going to need for that to happen. You're going to need to have what is known as an eternal motivation. Not just an internal motivation, but an eternal motivation. You have to be so connected to seeing all of this as it faces eternity with God, not just a simple little Christian life that's right now. Some of you that are deeper students of the Bible, you're studying 1 Thessalonians. Do you know that every chapter of 1 and 2 Thessalonians in some measure makes reference to the coming of Christ? And that tells me that the Apostle Paul and everything that he did, it wasn't about just getting life better here. It was preparing people to stand with the Lord holy and blameless before him. But you're also going to need the daily disciplines. Yep, it's going to take daily things that we do in our life. That means praying every day. Here's your exercise. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, pray a prayer for your children, for your husband, for your wife, for others in your life. You want to pray a prayer that stretches beyond that night all the way into eternity. Well, some of you, as we know, as you know, we're bringing this to a close. You're saying, but oh, pastor, what you've given to us is just dripping with great principles. This is where I need to be. This is where I want to be. But do you know how hard it is to remember all of these? Do you know how hard it is to get it all sorted? This life that I'm in it is hard. Well, let me tell you something. The Christian life is hard because life is hard. We all agree with that. Chuck Swindoll says the Christian life, the daily Christian life is difficult because it's so daily. And it is. We live it every single day. And so there is some struggles. But I'd like to tell you this, that no one wants us to pray more accurately, more correctly than the Lord. No one will give us more of his ability so that we can talk to him correctly and passionately. And in this case, frequently, earnestly, and specifically than the Lord. So what we do is we don't lean on the message. We don't lean on this, feel good, can I remember everything I learned today? We lean on the Lord to say, Lord, this is where I want to be. I want to be closer to you. I want others to be closer to you. And therefore, to do that, I need to pray more correctly. I need you now to help me to do this. My last quote is coming from A.C. Dixon, and here's what he wrote. When we rely on organization, we get, organ we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. 
But when we rely upon prayer, we get only what God can do. And I really like that. Well, I'd like to believe that some of you have come to a point in your life that you come here today so that God could change your life to the next level. And maybe that's where you are today. So why don't we take a moment and bow our heads and close our eyes and pretend like we're all alone in this room, but the Lord is seated right next to us. And we're not going to think about what others are going to think about us. We're just going to have a time with the Lord. So while you're sorting this all out with the Lord, allow me a moment to speak to those now that this message wasn't first directed to, and that would be those who don't know Christ as Savior. For those of you that are outside that, you might be saying, but I do want to know the Lord. I do want to come into this family. Not so much joining the church as much as being a part of God's forever family. And so maybe for you, your most correct prayer would be to the Lord and simply say, Lord, I am a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I know that I cannot work my way to heaven. I know that I'm separated from you. And if I die, I'll spend eternity separated from you. But Lord, I know that you're the Lord and that you died on the cross and rose again. And you said you'd forgive me of all sin and I could have eternal life in heaven if I would right now receive you as my Savior by placing my faith alone in you. Now, it sounds like a prayer, but it can happen so fast, it's nothing more than a mental transaction. It's where you are transferring your confidence from yourself or other belief systems or whatever it might have been, even in the uncertainty of it. And now you're placing your faith alone in Christ and the certainty of Christ alone. Now, Jesus says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. He doesn't say he that behaves. He doesn't say he that believes and behaves. He said he that believes on me right now has everlasting life. Life is a relational term. Eternal means forever. And that relational term of living forever is with the person of Jesus Christ in heaven. And he says if you believe in Christ, you won't perish but have that life. So for those of you, maybe today is the day that you're going to call upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior. You're placing your faith in Him and not any good deed you do yourself. Is there anyone here today that would say silently, Pastor, I too, right now, want to place my faith in Christ. And so I'm calling upon the Lord as my Savior. Earnestly, in faith, completely trusting Christ. Now if you're doing that, I'm going to ask you in a moment to slip up your hand. Now raising your hand won't get you into heaven no more than walking an aisle or me praying for you. But I want to know if today you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You've never done it before. You don't have to frequently trust in Christ to get to heaven. Once you trusted Him, you're born again and you're forever heaven bound. He is forever your Father. Frequently we talk to Him so we have a continual fun and, and encouraging relationship with Him. But not to get into His family. So is there anyone in here today that would like to let me know privately that you're trusting Christ as your Savior and that every head is bowed and every eye closed, you'll do it silently by placing your hand up in the air so I can see it. Is there anyone at all? Put your hand up real high so I can see it. Anyone at all that's trusting Christ. All right, Christians, how about you? I put a prayer at the end of this. I don't know. It's a man-made prayer. I know. But maybe take it and now make it your own. Put it in your own words but make sure it comes from your heart to God's heart. The prayer might be this, or very similar. Lord, I want things to change, to really change in my prayer life. I pray from time to time, but I want to learn to pray 
all the time. Teach me to pray. I pray casually, but I want to learn to pray earnestly. Teach me to pray. I pray for a change in my circumstances, but I forget to pray for a change in my character. I pray for my needs to be met, but forget to pray for my love to increase. My prayers often stretch no further than tomorrow, but I want them to stretch and reach towards eternity. Teach me to pray. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because you're calling upon the Lord to strengthen, encourage, and to make prayer work in your life. Would you like to have prayer? Slip up your hand right now. Amen. Now, Father, I just thank you that as I'm talking to you now, that you're hearing me. And it's hard to believe that the creator of the universe, the great I am, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is actually hearing my heart. And so, Father, I pray for all of us in here that we would know the power that we have in us, that we could live a godly life, that we'd be satisfied with you because we have all the inheritance that you've given to your Son And that, Father, we'd have no fear because whatever happens in this life, we have the hope, the confidence that we'll be with you forever. Now that prayer, Father, we pray for ourselves, and we pray for our loved ones. So that, Father, perhaps even this fellowship here would be a great lighthouse to a community who needs to know you. Now, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.